Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Alani Benson found himself on the front lines in Ferguson in 2014, calling for change after a police officer killed Michael Brown Jr. But protesting wasn't enough. Two years later, Benson became an officer with the St. Louis County Police Department. Now we have an extended interview conducted by St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson. She spoke with Benson and his wife Kalia about his decision to become an officer, raising a black son, and what it's like being a police officer assigned to protests. Alani Benson said he always wanted to be an officer. He took then-police chief John Belmar asking for more cops as a sign that he needed to apply. I knew from that moment I always wanted to be a police officer you know, way before the Michael Brown killing. There was just a motivational step right there knowing that I could possibly get in and become a police officer. So I always wanted to be the change I wanted to see in the neighborhood. And now that I am the change, and I can say I am the change because people see me now as a police officer. And when I come to a scene or I pull up in front of your house and they're African-American as well, it, it tends to, you know, settle the mood. Has any of the recent tension between police officers and black people make you reconsider being an officer? First, I look at it as this is my job. This is what feeds my family. This is what provides everything right now for my family. Secondly, you know, it's always in the back of my head that these African-Americans are being killed by police officers. And it makes the job very stressful. Uh, I have thought recently, like, wow, this job is overwhelming because um, I'm out here trying to do a job and I'm doing it the right way. And, you know, a lot of officers like myself get, you know, for lack of better words, get punished for some officer that does something thousands of miles away. But we have the job to do. And I suck it up and I put on a uniform and I go to work every day. Sometimes I don't want to go to work. Sometimes it's a headache. Sometimes I know that I'm going to be sitting out in 100-degree weather and somebody's yelling in my face um, about something that, you know, I feel strongly about and I know they feel strongly about. But I can't have that communication while I'm on a ride line. So sometimes I leave work with a lot on my mind because there's nowhere to release it. And you said that it, it goes through your mind a lot having to process both realities. Your job is an officer, but you are a Black man. How are you processing Black people being killed by the police or profiled for that matter once you get home and take off your badge, you're with your wife and you're with your son? Well, my wife would say I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) My wife would say I don't switch hats, you know, because sometimes I can... Sometimes I paint a picture for my family because they're not living this, going to work every day, being a police officer. Sometimes I can like say things like, "Okay, baby, let's look at let's look at all the facts first. You know, sometimes I say, "Let's look at all the facts," and then she's like, "Don't you just see this? Don't you see this? Did you see what it did?" I say, "Yeah, I see it. It's wrong, but let's look at the facts." And sometimes I get caught in between that. You know, I know I'm black. I look in the mirror every day. You know, I'm black and I'm black. You know, so. I try to distance the two and I try my best because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, uh, I'm always going to be black. I'm not always going to be a police officer, but I'm going to do my job, you know, and make sure I do my job correctly. 
Well, Kalia, I want to ask you, can you talk about what went on in your mind when your husband came to you and said, this is the path I want to take? He first really expressed his passion was during the time of the Mike Brown situation. And I'm always going to motivate him and always push if I know it's a dream that he desires. So I pushed him and I motivated him when he was working out for the academy, all of that. Um, I put my my feelings aside about the police because I knew that this was something that my husband desired. I've had bad experiences with police officers growing up. My relationship with police officers is bittersweet. The sweet part is that my husband is doing it, and I know his heart, and I know his mind, and I believe that when he's out there, he's truly making a change. So my trust is with my husband. I cannot say that my trust is with St. Louis County. My trust is, is with my husband. Are you comfortable talking about, you know, one of those experiences in which you did have a bad encounter with officers? When I was in college, we had uh, moved um, me into my apartment. And it was my, my father, my little brother, my mother, and my sister and I. And my father and my brother were driving um, the moving truck, and we were riding in the car in front of them. So we were driving in Jefferson County. And we saw police trailing us, and then more police came, um, and more police came. And so at this point, my dad called my mom and said, um, these are these police officers. And she said, yes, she said, just pull over. You know, something's not right. So they um, pulled over, and my little brother was asleep in the front seat. He was about 13 years old or 14 at this time. And they walked up, and they put a gun to my dad's head and they put a gun to my little brother's um, head and he was asleep. So he woke up out of his sleep to the gun. So just imagine if he was just would have woke up and grabbed something, just scared because he was asleep at the time. Um, what happened, the reason why the cops had pulled him over was due to um, the truck that we had, rent, had rented was reported stolen and the trucking company forgot to take it off. And so my dad was yelling, like, you know, please take the gun off of my son. Uh, please just talk to me. Um, they said no. They were rough with my brother. Um, they put handcuffs on him. He had marks on his hand afterward. Um, they were, to me, in my mind, very aggressive. Um, my mom was screaming. She was scared. Um, she was just asking, can you please just talk to my husband and let my son go, and we can figure this all out. We have paperwork to prove. Um, they were very rude. They weren't listening to us. They weren't understanding. They did not release my brother out of handcuffs to the very end. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know how police officers are trained. I mean, they could have been doing their job, but as me knowing um, what police officers are capable of, that was traumatic for me. I was scared for my little brother. Um, I was scared for my father at this point. I just wanted them to let go of my brother and talk to my dad. I didn't even know how traumatized I was about that. So another time I was driving and then police sirens went off and I almost had like an anxiety attack. And that's when I realized that situation actually had traumatized me, that I was scared when I would hear police sirens drive behind me. How do you hope to teach your son 
And this is for both of you, actually. How do you hope to teach your son about the realities of being Black in America when his dad's an officer, but you see footage coming out all the time about Black people in general and other people of color being killed by the police, and there is no accountability on the receiving end? For me, I'm going to teach him more so respect, understand, and push yourself to be that change, you know. I get that this stuff been going on way before me, way before way before you. I get we need to see more African-American officers. You cannot expect people that don't understand your culture, that don't understand you, that has never lived with you, that has never had a 15-minute conversation with you about life, to understand you. I get we're all human. But we need more African-American officers. So we need to push that, that, that narrative. Because when I, like I said, when I go to scenes, when I go to a, a house and there's an African-American family and they see me pull up, they talk to me. So I would teach him just to keep pushing that narrative that we need more African-American in, in any authoritative position, being a, a senator, governor, mayor. We need to start focusing on, you know, on that notion. What I would teach my son is I want him to understand the law, know your right, know what can happen to you and, and what cannot. I'm going to teach him about the systematic oppression that um, African-Americans deal with. I'm going to have him read Jim Crow. I'm going to have him read Malcolm X. I want my son to be educated so he understands both sides. Yes, understand the law but understand what's happening to our people while we're in this situation right now. What is the why? And I want my son to be well-rounded. I know that when he goes to school, well, a lot of people have a bad taste about police officers. So he's going to feel his feelings will be hurt sometimes. People might say some mean things about his father, but I want him to understand why are these people saying these things about your father? understand where they're coming from in their environment because you have a little bit more empathy and understanding. Do you think that police departments, if there is any hope left in building that aspect of trust when that trust has been broken time and time again, right now you have people calling for defunding the police department or abolishing it completely. A lot of this trust can be built promoting that narrative in the black community to become police officers. We always saying FTP, the police department, but those same people call the police. You know, you call us for help. You know, I have been on plenty of calls and they'd be like, that's the police, you're Uncle Tom, you this, you that. I say, you call me here, man. You call me, you know, I'm here because you called me. Somebody at this address called me. So they need help. You know, defunding police is taking away from taking away from my son, taking away from my family, taking away from my livelihood. You think I'm gonna do this job if I'm not getting paid to do this job accordingly? I have a master's. I'm gonna be working on my doctorate here soon. You know, and our department is paying me for me having a master's. That money will be gone. You think I'm gonna stay being a police officer with a with a master's degree and a doctorate? I don't have to be here. I'm here because God is pushing me to do this, you know. So it's a lot of officers just like me. 
you think you have bad officers now, wait till they start paying us $15 an hour or they stop giving us overtime to work when we're out there on the ride line. I mean, the application process is going to be very slim to none because who want to want to do this job? I have to put on a smiling face when I don't have to want to put on a smiling face. I have to be professional sometimes when I don't want to be professional with the people that don't, that are not professional with me or that heinous with me, you know? So defund the police is not the right way to go, you know? We have to build another narrative that's trying to coach our youth into, okay, this officer did it. He ain't no Uncle Tom. He's not an Uncle Tom. He's doing it for a purpose. That's St. Louis County police officer Alani Benson and his wife Kalia Benson speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Marissa Ann Lewis-Thompson. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.